0: We have a speaker, Abemus Prolocutor. After three weeks of Republicans scrambling to find someone to fill the top spot in the House of Representatives, white smoke has emerged from the top of the Capitol building and Republicans have elected rock-ribbed conservative Mike Johnson. I mean that sincerely. Ordinarily, I would say that is a joke whenever Republicans elect a leader, but actually they picked a conservative guy. Johnson has a lifetime rating of 92% from the American Conservative Union and a 90% rating from Heritage Action. Quite good. He's got an A-plus rating from Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America. He authored legislation last year to outlaw the Libs' weird sexual indoctrination of kids. And unlike the previous GOP nominee for speaker, he voted to defend the real definition of marriage. As late as last December, when Joe Biden, the Democrats, and the Squish Republicans tried, successfully, I'm sorry to say, to codify the Obergefell same-sex marriage decision into law. Many people had never heard of Congressman Johnson before yesterday. The only reason I was aware of him is because of a handful of viral clips that I had seen of him hurling zingers at Democrats. Here is Speaker Johnson dressing down Joe Biden's Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas.
1: I've only got 25 seconds. I'll just say I don't have time for a question because you'll be elusive. But I just, for the record, since we're stating things for the record... I've been in Congress seven years. I think you're the most dishonest witness that has ever appeared before the Judiciary Committee. And I think I speak for a lot of my colleagues. This is such a frustrating exercise for us because our constituents want answers. They're tired of the open border. They're tired of people dying from Mr. fentanyl chairman, overdoses, and it's your fault. It's my time. Mr. Chairman, point of order. No, there's no point of order in the middle of this. This is my opinion. I there think is, it's shared by a millions point of, of Americans. people. On the no the chairman, this is based of the on the room. standard that the chairman set out in previous hearings. Calling a witness dishonest is over the line that you drew
0: in a previous hearing.
1: I'm not pulling the words down. That speaks for the American people.
0: Zinged, owned, and now Speaker Johnson is not just about those pithy one-liners. Some of his other viral clips demonstrate that the guy is clearly intelligent. He clearly does his homework, as he showed when he destroyed the Democrats on the first impeachment trial of President Trump.
1: The gentleman's recognized. I just want to slow this down and be very methodical about it, because most of us here are attorneys, and in this case, we're supposed to also be finders of fact. And we're supposed to carefully and objectively analyze the claims against the record. So let's do that. There are two articles to this impeachment resolution, of course, abuse of power and obstruction of justice. On the first, Democrats know there is zero direct evidence in the record of these proceedings to show that President Trump engaged in any scheme of any kind, as is alleged in the resolution or that he intended in his dealings with Ukraine to influence the 2020 election. No impeachment should ever proceed on the basis of hearsay and conjecture and speculation that wouldn't even be admissible in a local traffic court, and we say that over and over. To my friend Ms. Jayapal, there is simply no evidence of any condition, and I guess I need to repeat the four indisputable facts again that are in this record, because repetition apparently is really necessary here. First, both President and Zelensky say there was no pressure exerted. Number two, the July 25th call transcript shows no conditionality between aid funding and an investigation. Number three, Ukraine was not aware of the aid, as has been said over and over here, uh, that it was being delayed. And number four, they never opened an investigation. They still received the aid and they got the meeting.
0: This is all good stuff. He's quick, he's fast, he's conservative. And almost as important, he appears able to unify the party. He's got support from the base. He's got support from the party leader. And incredibly, after the last three weeks of congressional circus, not a single Republican in the House voted against him. All's well that ends well. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by none other than Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price. Get 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles today. The cops were called in at a school district to stop a mother from showing images from books that are available to students in the school district. The images were obscene, so the cops actually came in to take the images away from her. And presumably to give those images to young children. We'll get to that in a second. First, though, uh, to close up on this speaker, this is a really good thing. In a way, I guess it vindicates Matt Gates. I was a little skeptical of Gates. I was a little skeptical because I thought, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, he's not great, but he's more conservative than Ryan. He's more conservative than Boehner. He's arguably more conservative than Newt Gingrich. So he might be the most conservative Speaker Republicans have had since the 1950s and Joe Martin, which is damning with faint praise, but I thought with a with a razor thin majority, is there any way that conservatives would be able to get a more favorable speaker and then when it looked like we were going to be stuck with Tom Emmer, who's a big squish lib, I thought, well, thanks a lot, Matt Gates you know you get we kick out McCarthy, who was not great, but he was fine, then you give us Emmer who's terrible well a lot of a lot of good that did us but Look, Matt Gates took a big swing here. Matt Gates risked a lot of his political credibility. And he won. At least for now. It remains to be seen. Because the Speaker of the House is not tasked merely with writing laws or being really conservative and consistent or anything like that. He's tasked with unifying the party, raising money, whipping votes. He's got to be able to do all those things. We'll see if he can do it. But for now, we seem to be in a pretty good position. Now, Mike Johnson has, despite all of this goodwill from conservatives, he's raised some eyebrows because as he took on the gavel for the first time, he announced that his first order of business would not be to, I don't know, bring jobs back to America, to secure the border, to bring back manufacturing, to, I don't know, rev up the economy again, to restore law and order to this that or the other thing that his first order of business would be to send money to israel
1: we're in a time of extraordinary crisis right now and the world needs us to be strong they need us to remember our creed and our admonition turmoil and violence have rocked the middle east and eastern europe we all know it intentions continue to build in the indo-pacific the country demands strong leadership of this body and we must not waver Uh, our, Our nation's greatest ally in the Middle East is under attack. The first bill that I'm going to bring to this floor in just a little while will be in support of our dear friend Israel, and we're overdue in getting that done. We're going to show not only Israel, but the entire world That the barbarism of Hamas that we have all seen play out on our television screens is wretched and wrong, and we are going to stand for the good in that
0: conflict. Okay, this raised a lot of eyebrows, and there were a lot of conservatives saying, hold on, I like Israel well enough. Bibi Netanyahu, he seems like a charming man, but that's your first order of business? That couldn't be your second or third order of business? You couldn't do something for America first? Well, isn't that the name of our new movement is America First and Make America Great Again? Why, are you, why is your first order of business to give money away to Israel? But I have a little bit of a more charitable read of what he's doing here. And I think that Mike Johnson is clearly a clever guy. And I think this was actually a pretty smart move. Because, one, the United States is going to fund Israel. It's just going to happen. The congressmen can vote for it. They cannot vote for it. It's not going to matter. They're going to fund Israel. The the American deep state funded Ukraine over the objections of American lawmakers. And America has a much more tenuous relationship with Ukraine than we do with the state of Israel. Remember how they did it back in the summer when Congress didn't want to take another vote on funding Ukraine? So the State Department just found some money. The Pentagon just found some money. They said, oh, yeah, the weapons we gave them, it was actually cheaper than we said they were. So uh, therefore, because we appropriated a certain amount of money that on our spreadsheets, that frees up some money. So whatever, they get another six billion bucks. We would have done that times a billion with Israel, okay? Israel just gets whatever it wants. That was always going to happen, especially at a time of war like this where there are potentially existential crises in the Middle East. So what Emmer does here is he's looking at a funding bill that the Democrats were trying to tie Israel and Ukraine funding together. So Republicans don't want to vote for Ukraine funding a lot of them do want to vote for Israel funding, so odd, ah, darn it! We're going to have to vote to fund. We're going to have to vote to fund uh, Ukraine as well. We're going to have to vote to fund Taiwan. We're going to have to vote for hundred billion dollars in in military aid that we don't want to vote on because we feel our hands are tied because we want to support Israel. So what Emmer is doing here is he's saying we're going to write, first thing we're going to do we're going to vote to fund Israel, and not Ukraine, and not make it hundred billion dollars, and not tie it all together. So it's a, it's a clever way of, without saying it explicitly, he's not coming out and saying, my first order of business is to defund the Ukraine war. He's saying, my first order of business is to fund the Israel war and thereby defund the Ukraine war. The other reason he's doing this, I think, is because Israel is now a wedge issue for Democrats. It didn't used to be. Israel used to be a unifying issue for both parties. Both parties, you know, you could be far-left Democrat, far-right Republican. Everybody supported the state of Israel. You're seeing cracks now, especially among the Democrats, with the squad, with AOC, with Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, certainly, and others, the, the far-left Democrats, are saying, we don't like Israel anymore. We support Palestine from the river to the sea. Hamas will be free. And so they're going to vote against that. And it looks really bad. Even the White House is dealing with this. Joe Biden's spokesman, Karine Jampier, doesn't know how to answer questions about the Israel-Palestine conflict. She gets asked a question about the White House response to anti-Semitism. She gives an answer about Islamophobia. Because they they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. So by making this the first order of business, everyone's going to be paying attention to this guy's first vote as speaker of the house and he's going to be able to nail those democrats and whatever they do it's going to it's going to hurt their funding right now you're seeing a lot of jewish funders i will get to this hopefully a little later today if not at least maybe tomorrow a lot of jewish funders of big institutions big universities saying hey you guys are letting all these pro hamas people run wild i'm going to pull my money i think the same thing is probably going to happen here with the democrats who turn on the state of israel they're going to lose money from pro-israel funders. And there are plenty of pro-Israel funders out there. Or, conversely, if the Democrats come out in favor of voting for this single vote to fund Israel, then they're going to lose a bunch of support from their base. Their base like BLM, which is going out there, putting up big signs and, and posting photos to social media in support of Hamas paragliders. So either way, they're getting hammered here. And in the previous version of funding the war, the Democrats could, could have mollified their base by saying, well, look, I was voting for Ukraine war funding, but I had to give some money to Israel, even though I really hate Israel, but I had to do it to fund Ukraine and Taiwan, so forgive us. And they would have gotten away with it. Here, there's some clarity. If I were Speaker of the House, would I have made this the first order of business? Probably not. But it's a pretty clever strategy, and it, it makes me feel pretty confident about the way that this guy can move levers of power, the way that this guy can find his light and, and move the mechanics of the House of Representatives. It remains to be seen if he, can, if he can really succeed, but it's looking good out the gate. When you want to look good, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Our friends over at GenuCell have launched a new product called GenuCell 3, which works on your under-eye bags and puffiness. GenuCell 3 is smooth, luxurious, and uses advanced technology to deliver complex vitamins and minerals directly to your face for instant hydration. It's like Gatorade for your skin. This new Genucel technology keeps your skin looking young and healthy for years to come. The Genucel Fall Classics Package also includes a jawline treatment for a firmer neck and jawline, so you can have a nice chiseled jawline just like me. It includes Genucel's anti-wrinkle moisturizer and deep-firming serum. Get your skin ready for that cold and dry weather and look good while you're doing it. You know, I love this company because they make great products and because the owner is a Coptic Christian who left Egypt for the American dream. Head on over to genuicell.com slash Knowles, where you can call 800-SKIN-211 for extra discounts on this amazing fall package. Get results in less than 12 hours. The immediate effects are included for free. That is genuicell.com slash Knowles, or by calling 800 800- Skin 211. Uh, Speaking of party unity here, even before this vote took place, when Mike Johnson became the GOP nominee for Speaker, as many others have before, as Tom Emmer had, as Jim Jordan had, as Steve Scalise had, as obviously Kevin McCarthy had before, uh, when he became the nominee, Trump came out and he said, I back this guy.
1: Getting back to Congress, we think uh, Mike Johnson's going to do really well. He's popular, he's smart, he's sharp, he's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a fantastic speaker. I believe that will happen. We'll see what, you'll let me know when I come out.
0: I'll be out in a couple of hours. Now, this was just after Donald Trump came out against the GOP nominee, Tom Emmer. And so if you're Donald Trump today, you're feeling pretty good because you're, attack on the GOP nominee for Speaker seems to have worked because it deprived him of the job. It would have been very awkward had had Tom Emmer gotten the nomination. Then Trump came out and said, this guy's terrible. He's not America first. He's not MAGA. You got to vote against him. And then the guy becomes Speaker. All of a sudden, Trump looks pretty weak as the leader of the party. But he looks strong when he killed his candidacy, and he looks strong now that they finally got Mike Johnson through with a prominent endorsement from Donald Trump. So from the perspective of GOP unity this is a very good thing and probably most republicans are going to like that. Not everyone is going to like that this helps to solidify Donald Trump as the leader of the party. But I think everybody is going to like that the GOP at least in some ways can come together. It looks like the GOP has these irreconcilable irreconcilable factions but here the GOP was able to come together. They do have a clear leader in Trump even if a lot of Republicans don't like him very much. Overall, that's a win. It's a win for the party. It's separately a win for Trump and it's separately a win for Matt Gates, whose political career was really on the line and I I was very skeptical of his move to oust McCarthy. For now at least it seems to have paid off. Now speaking of Republican presidential candidates, Ron DeSantis also making big moves down in Florida. He has ordered Florida schools to shut down the Students for Justice in Palestine groups. Governor DeSantis directed Ray Rodriguez, who's the chancellor of the State University System of Florida, to send notices to UF and uh, University of South Florida, notifying them to deactivate chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine. And the reason for this, DeSantis argues, is that those groups broke Florida laws about terrorism. Here's what DeSantis said. During a holy Jewish holiday, the, which is a little repetitive, right? A ho- holiday is a holy day. Anyway, I'm nitpicking on language. During a holy Jewish holiday, the recognized terrorist organization Hamas launched an unprovoked attack on Israel. Among those killed were babies, women, and elderly. Oh, this is Rodriguez who said this. Uh, to date, approximately 1,400 Israelis have been killed, including 31 American citizens. Governor DeSantis, our state university system, and the Florida college system have contemned these attacks. There are some conservatives here who are attacking DeSantis for doing this, and they're attacking DeSantis because they say this is an attack on free speech. I think what DeSantis is doing in principle is terrific. I think this is great. In fact, this is exactly the sort of thing that I call for in my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, number one national bestseller, available for you to order right now wherever fine books are sold. This is exactly the sort of thing that I'm calling for in Speechless. My only holdup... I didn't even catch myself saying it that time. Speechless. No, you guys are slow. You didn't expect the third one. I got to get those producers a little faster. My only holdup on what Governor DeSantis is doing here is it doesn't go far enough. My only holdup here is this is the first time. This is a re- relatively modest way for conservatives to begin wielding political and cultural power to shape norms and standards. In principle, I think it is a perfectly fine thing to do for the state to pass laws against, in this case, taxpayer-subsidized support for speech-promoting terrorism. But does it only apply to Hamas and Israel? This is the only time we're going to use this kind of a law, when it it applies to pro-Palestine protesters? What about pro-Antifa and pro-BLM protesters? Antifa is a terror organization. I say this having been the target of Antifa on at least one occasion when they tried to blow me up at the University of Pittsburgh last spring. Antifa exists to target and harm and kill civilians to achieve political objectives. That is as basic a definition of terrorism as it is. So are we going to shut down student groups who support Antifa? I hope so. I hope they use this law for that purpose. What about BLM? BLM is a terror organization. It's a little bit of a harder argument with BLM because their rhetoric, at least, is somewhat softer. But BLM, in practice, exercised terrorist campaigns on the United States. BLM, in practice, attacked businesses, looted, robbed, killed people, killed dozens of people attacked civilians to achieve a political objective. That is the most basic definition of terrorism that is. So are we going to see the government come in and clamp down using this kind of a law on BLM? I hope so. This is this is a good thing in principle, but if it only applies to this narrow conflict of Israel versus Palestine, then it seems very suspect. It seems it seems to be haphazardly and and only narrowly enforced. But it's a good principle. The conservatives who are attacking DeSantis over some attack on free speech or whatever, they're they're misguided here. In principle, this is the right thing. In principle, this is what conservatives have always done. This is what all societies do because all societies have standards and norms. This is certainly what the left has done toward ends of injustice and evil. We should use these sorts of tactics in a just and moral way to achieve good ends and political flourishing. We just got to do it more often and in more circumstances. Now, This letter from Governor DeSantis and the Chancellor of the Florida State System, uh, it's a good letter. But when you want to write and send letters, you got to check out Stamps.com. Right now, go to Stamps.com, use promo code Knowles. If you run a small business, you need to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that is by using Stamps.com for all your mailing and shipping needs. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office space. This is incredibly convenient. Your shipping labels are ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. We don't waste time here at The Daily Wire. We don't have time to waste time. We've used Stamps.com since 2017, when many of you were nothing but a glint in your father's eye. That's right. Our office management staff loves Stamps.com because they don't have to spend hours at the post office anymore. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS, plus they will automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over 1 million businesses. You can print postage wherever you do business. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. They even send you a free scale, so you've got everything you need to get started. Set your business up for success. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Knowles K N O W L S for a special offer that includes a four week free trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. Go to Stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the page. Enter code Knowles, K N W L E S. Folks, October is almost over. It's not the summer anymore, okay? There's no hiding it. Pumpkin spice season is upon us. And I am living my PSL lifestyle. Now you can too. Go to dailywire.com shop. Get your hands on the limited edition Michael Knowles pumpkin spice candle. It's everything you need to complete the trifecta to eat, drink, and breathe pumpkin spice. Don't wait. Order your candle now. Smell me pervading your home, entering your nostrils and your lungs. They're only available during pumpkin spice season, only available at dailyware.com slash shop. Mm. Marvelous. Now speaking of wielding government power, there's a woman who as a young teenager, was pumped full of testosterone and underwent hormone therapy and was told that she was really a boy, not just by weirdos on the internet or even in her school, but by doctors. And she is now suing her doctors and the American Academy of Pediatrics for knowingly lying about the impact of these radical gender affirming, ridiculous euphemism, the sex change, that's another ridiculous euphemism, these, these butcher procedures. This is according to a copy of the lawsuit that the Daily Wire exclusively has obtained. So she's suing her doctors as a lot of us predicted would happen. So the way that this gender mania is going to come to an end is when you start to see lawsuits from poor little kids and teenagers who were led astray by their parents and their teachers and their doctors, their doctors who took a Hippocratic oath, their doctors who should have known better and led into experimental treatments that would render them sterile in a lot of cases, that would give them all sorts of health problems, that would lead to an early death in a lot of cases, that would not fix the problems they were intended to fix, depression and anxiety and suicidality. In fact, the largest analyses we have on the effects of these kinds of treatments, hormonal and surgical, show that they don't really help in any of those cases. And in fact, in in one category, in anxiety, they seem to make things worse. And And when these poor people who had been Brainwashed and led astray when, when they started suing, then you might see some real action here. And and this woman is suing not only her doctors, but the American Academy of Pediatrics. That's the key here. We have got to go after the institutions. It's not enough to go and make an example of one or two people. It's not enough to go get some doctor's license taken away because the doctor's a quack who's chopping up little kids. You've got to go after the institutions. That's how we took down the Ku Klux Klan. That's how we took down the Italian mafia. You don't just pick off one guy or this guy or that guy. You've got to be able to take down the whole organization. We've got to do the same thing here with groups like the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So there are a few other of the obstetrics lobbies this way. where it's, It sounds like a perfectly ordinary scientific medical organization. The American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. In reality, this is a radical pro-abortion lobby. Okay, and that's very bad. There are pro-life obstetrician lobbies too. We should, we should make those lobbies more prominent. We should go after and try to take down the, the radical pro-abortion groups and the radical pro-sexual mutilation groups and all of the other radical groups. You've got to go after the organizations. You're, you're never going to win by just picking off one or two members here. You never would have taken down the Ku Klux Klan just picking off one or two members. You never would have taken down the mob by picking off one or two members. Speaking of weird sex stuff, there is a trans Netflix writer who is seeking a sperm donor through a live show. Here it is. Come on a journey with performance artist Krishna Istha
1: who is searching for their perfect sperm donor. Smile, Krishna. A groundbreaking theater show challenging expectations and redefining family creation as a transgender person. Krishna asks the hard-hitting questions. When was the last time you lied? Do you like spicy food? Are there queer people in your life? Early bird or night owl? Which one are you? Have you watched The Prince's Diaries? This groundbreaking theater show has won hundreds of BAFTA awards. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. Come in a BAFTA for a theater show, and you've got the vibe wrong. Witness intimate interviews live on stage between Krishna and hundreds of participants in a quest to
0: find Krishna the perfect sperm donor. Book your tickets today. So Krishna is a chick, I guess, with a mustache who identifies as a man or something thereabouts. And Krishna's partner, I guess, must also be a chick or somehow sterile because he or she cannot uh, make a child with Krishna. So Krishna wants a sperm donor uh, so that she can uh, beget a child uh, from some random person who will probably not have very much to do with that child's life and put that child in a, a, a very depraved situation uh, of upbringing that will result in the child's maleducation and all sorts of psychological and maybe spiritual problems with, with no regard for the child and only regard for herself and her own entertainment career. It's all just a big show. It's a big funny joke and a game. The procreation of a child is all, it's, like, it's like buying a handbag or doing a little comedy bit. You know, it's just something to accent one's lifestyle, just a way to make people laugh. It's not, it's not love in any real sense. It's not willing the good of the child in any way. It's just, just acquisitive and selfish. Okay. Enough haranguing this confused person. How did we get here? Uh, that's not a rhetorical question. That is to say, I'm not. I'm not just going to let that. I actually, I know how we got here. I know, I at least some of the things that must have gone wrong in this person's life and in our society to lead to this point. Certainly, the gender ideology—that was a big part of it—convincing women that they can become men. That that led to part of this depraved situation. Certainly, the redefinition and practical abolition of marriage as the fundamental social institution. That was not that long ago. It was codified into law by Joe Biden and the Democrats back in December. It was passed by the Supreme Court, what, seven, eight years ago? In a ridiculous decision that rewrote the Constitution? Okay. But but it went back a little further than that. Went back probably to the normalization of all sorts of weird, decadent sex stuff in public life. Where did we get that from? We got that from certain Supreme Court decisions, decisions like uh, Eisenstadt, decisions like Uh, uh, Griswold versus Connecticut, you know, decisions that uh, found a constitutional right to all sorts of weird sex toys and accoutrement. Okay. Then uh, that just codified a contraceptive mentality and culture that was affirmed by all sorts of religious organizations, notably the mainline Protestant churches through Lambeth and other declarations that said that uh, contraception is totally fine, the normalization of contraception. Uh, that decoupled sex from its logical end and highest purpose, which is procreation. That would be part of it. But even further back, the uh, social normalization of, of certain depraved acts that would even lead to the possibility of sperm donation, which was the point of this show which for most of human history has been considered uh, sinful and evil, and at the very least not something one wishes to brag about, and now is totally normalized, and is actually encouraged by public health organizations as a positive good for individual flourishing. And it goes back further than that. It goes back even further, but we'll leave it at least there. My point being, to quote the butler in the first season of The Crown, it's in the little things that the rot begins. It. it this didn't happen overnight. This happened over the course of at least a century and really more than a century. Because then you can ask yourself, well, how on earth did these religious organizations even garner the authority to be able to make these kinds of claims, to be able to erode the traditional moral framework and sexual ethic of the West? And, you know, it goes on more than a few centuries back. It's in the small things that the rot begins. And so you're not going to address these problems merely by uh, putting a little salve on the latest symptom. I think there are a lot of people who say, look, the libs have gone too far. All of a sudden, I'm kind of conservative, I guess. And there are a lot of conservatives who say, hey, we've got to give up on basic issues in order to uh, win over the, the center leftists. So we got to give up on marriage, let's say. As long as we can fight radical gender ideology. Well, not on adults, but on children at least. On, well, on really little children, that's a good idea. There was a writer, goodness sakes, there was a writer for National Review, which was once considered the most prominent, most important conservative journal. This writer, Noah Rothman, who was complaining before Mike Johnson was elected speaker without a single Republican voting against him. He was complaining. He said, oh no, this... This speaker candidate, here we go, he questioned the 2020 election, and he did this and he did that, and he opposes same-sex marriage. This, this writer for what was once considered the premier conservative magazine was complaining that the conservative Republican speaker of the House candidate defended marriage that he held the view of marriage that was held by everyone everywhere on earth for all of history until around 2015 or so. That that, that this conservative Speaker of the House candidate held this, the, the view of marriage that Barack Obama held in 2011, that he didn't hold a view that Obama considered far too radical as late as 2011. That's conservatism? No. No, conservatives can't. You can't give up. You can't give up on the fundamental political unit, guys. You can't give up on marriage, on on the atomic unit of society, for goodness sakes. And you're not going to fix any of the problems by putting a salve on the latest symptoms. You got to go back a little further. If you want to, if you want to undo or or solve that whatever problems led to the transgender Netflix special on seeking sperm donors for sexually ambiguous and confused people and their partners, you're going to have to go back a little bit further in, in philosophy and history and thinking than 2015, okay? Sorry for the weak need and the squishies in the Republican party, but you're going you're to have to be a little tougher than that. Now, on the one hand, The powers that be are peddling this stuff out in the open. This is a a Netflix performer. On the other hand, though, the powers that be deny it and cover it up. So... they want to peddle it and they want to be proud of it and they want to normalize it for as many people as as are receptive to it. But then when people are not receptive to it and they start to push back against it, like parents, for instance, at their school board meetings, then they've got to deny it. Like when this mother came out and she said, hey, these are the kind of books and images and materials that are being presented to our children, to minors. This is it. She starts to read it at a school board meeting and they send in the cops. This is shameful, base, and degrading. All seven members
1: of the committee were also asked to um, look at this image this was in the book and they all unanimously said that this I- and along with that 15 page okay this is in children's libraries here in Hillsborough County approved by that committee unanimously at plant high it's in multiple schools there's ten images of that woman's naked breast in that book thank you thank you next speaker
0: the cop just comes over. He even he seems kind of sorry about it, doesn't he? He's he's so ma'am, I just I have to take this down. I'm not I'm not allowed to let you show this smut. Yeah, of course you're not allowed to to show that smut. Naturally. This is wrong for adults to see. And it's obviously wrong for children to see. This is an issue, though, where the the parents need to just keep pushing. This is a total winner. You know that when the liberals send in the power of the police to stop them, you know that they are on the right track. Now, it's time for the final episode of Convicting a Murderer. If you are not convinced that Stephen Avery is guilty, you will be after the finale. Candace is finally bringing an end to the nightmare that Making a Murderer created. They claimed that Stephen Avery was a victim of corrupt law enforcement, which is what they do. They demonize the police. Candace is going to show you who the real villain is in this final episode. Take a look. Coming up on the finale of Convicting a Murderer. How were these filmmakers able to convince so many people that a man
1: like Stephen Avery is innocent? The only story they wanted to tell was one of police
0: corruption. They were committed to a story. She's doing a good job. She's doing a lot of investigations. They were looking into things for him. The public defender and my uh, investigator. They were Stephen Avery's PR team. They convinced millions of people that they were innocent. Emails show that they were providing plenty of direction, that the Averys were to look like a close-knit family. Manitowoc County officers were to look suspicious. I think I will forever be obsessed with the media's ability to turn a villain into a hero or a hero into a villain. If they could do it to me, they can do it to anybody else. You can binge all 10 episodes now, but only if you're a Daily Wire Plus member. So sign up today at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch the entire series. My favorite comment yesterday is from Kevin, who says, Hey, Michael, I think blood transfusions can change personality. It's incumbent on all conservatives to give more blood. That's a great point. You know, I I read that survey, that study that showed that organ donations might be able to change people's personalities. I know it seems weird, but scientists have seen evidence of this, including blood transfusions. So you're right. I guess my first response to that was, man, I, I don't want anything to do with blood transfusions, unless I'm dying, in which case I guess I would probably accept one. But maybe you're right. Maybe we can game the system. Let's be clever about this. We all just start donating blood and we just make everyone super conservative. It's a great idea. Unless it's already conservatives who are receiving our blood because the libs have been attacking us, which is increasingly likely. Well, all right, right. Let's see. maybe it would have an impact. Now, speaking of schools, I alluded to this earlier in the show. Uh, billionaire Ron Lauder of Estee Lauder has just threatened to pull funding from UPenn over UPenn's embrace of anti-Semitism. Ron Lauder is a Republican mega-donor. He gives a lot of money to UPenn, his alma mater. He's the president of the World Jewish Congress, which is an international organization. And he had already said to Penn that he was going to re-examine his donations here because UPenn seems to be allowing these, these students to support Hamas over the state of Israel. Once again. There are some conservatives here who are saying, well, that's, that's crazy. We need to support free speech, even if the students want to go out and support Hamas or something like that. I think, though, I, I see this move from Ron Lauder. I think this is brilliant. Of course. The only thing I'm somewhat scandalized by is why was this guy giving money to UPenn in the first place? Ron Lauder is a conservative Republican. Ron Lauder shouldn't be supporting the Ivy League. I mean, listen, I don't want to tell billionaires what to do with their money, but there are a lot of conservative donors who do this, who, because they're alumni of schools or because they've had some relationship with an institution in the past, they just give money reflexively. They got a lot of money to give. It's a rounding error for them. But those organizations aren't what they used to be. They've become very leftist in recent years, and sometimes the donors don't even realize it. And in this case, Ron Lauder... A, a Jewish donor is noticing it because the institution is now encouraging students to support Hamas. And because the Ivy League broadly has a problem of professors now supporting Hamas and Lauder says, okay, well, I'm pulling my money. I think it's think the right thing to do for Lauder to pull his money, but I would go further. I think all conservatives should be acting this way. And not only on the issue of Israel-Palestine, they should be acting this way on all sorts of issues. It's not as though universities are just now uniquely attacking the Jewish state. Universities for years, for decades, have attacked white people. They've held courses and seminars about how we need to abolish whiteness. Why are white people still giving money to the universities? universities have come out explicitly and said, we don't like white people. We think it's bad to be a white person. We want to punish white people. We want to discriminate against white people as a matter of university policy, for one, and as a matter of law in our country, and certainly as a matter of cultural practice. So why are white people giving money to these universities? Often it's white liberals who are donating anyway. That's very bad. White people should not be giving money to institutions that explicitly hate white people. That's crazy. What about Christians? These universities are almost all extremely anti-Christian. Christians should pull their funding. Why on earth are we giving money to anti-Christian organizations? All these groups are very anti-male. In the name of feminism, they attack men. They say men are toxic. And why are men giving money to these organizations? All of these groups promote all sorts of weird sex stuff. They're explicitly anti-heterosexual. They're anti-family. They're anti-marriage. Why are? Normal people in normal marriages with normal sexual practices, why are they giving money to these groups? Let's all take a lesson from Ron Lauder here. Ron Lauder, being extremely involved in Jewish activism, is obviously keenly tuned in to what's going on in the Israel-Palestine conflict. He says, I'm pulling my money because you're not being nice to the Jews. Yeah, we should apply that principle to so many other identity categories. And we don't do that, but we certainly should. It is suicide to me when I see conservatives giving money to these extremely leftist organizations. And it applies to any number of categories of identity groups. Now, speaking of Israel and the war in the Middle East, uh, Israel was supposed to invade Gaza right away. That was the plan. Right after the terror attack that killed over a 1,000 Israelis and harmed a lot of other people and resulted in lots of innocents, very young and elderly being killed. Uh, Israel was going to invade Gaza. And then they delayed. And Israel has just agreed to delay again this inspected, expected invasion of Gaza so that the U.S. can rush some more missiles and missile defenses to the region to protect U.S. troops there. This is what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. U.S. officials have persuaded the state of Israel to hold off until U.S. air defense systems can be placed in the region for the protection of U.S. troops— who are stationed in Iraq, in Syria, and elsewhere, and presumably for the defense of of the Israeli state as well, which the United States has protected for a long time. I get why the United States government is asking for this, I guess, though I don't really trust Joe Biden or much of the top brass at the Pentagon to conduct our foreign policy. But I think this is a bad move. I think that if the state of Israel is going to attack Gaza— which it has to, I think, it certainly is well within its rights to attack Gaza after the terror attack launched by the elected authority that governs Gaza. If it's going to happen, it's got to happen quickly. Because every day that this gets delayed, the state of Israel loses public support. Immediately after the terror attack, Israel had widespread, if not unanimous, public support but every day that just the shelling goes on and a church gets destroyed because of an Israeli missile and a hospital is destroyed, actually, maybe likely from a Palestinian missile, but it doesn't matter in the public view. People are, are not going to believe that or it's just, Israel is going to lose public support by the day. And furthermore, Every day this goes on and the U.S. rushes more defense and weapons systems over to the Middle East, maybe over to the state of Israel, it further implicates the United States in this war. And it pulls us into this war more and more, which very few Americans want. Very, very few Americans want the United States to get involved in a protracted ground war in the Middle East because of a conflict in Israel-Palestine that has gone back over a century that really dates back millennia. There are very few people who are, who are pushing for that. A lot of people want to defend the Jewish state, meaning we send money, we get, protect them diplomatically, we do whatever. But there is a very low appetite in, in America for U.S. troops to get involved in another endless war in the Middle East. Every day this goes on, every new missile system that the United States sends over there— the more likely the U.S. gets implicated in this war. I, I see why Israel is doing it. And frankly, Netanyahu might be doing this because the U.S. says we're, we're going we're to force you to delay the invasion of Gaza. But if it's going to happen, I don't, I don't see how the position of Israel or the United States improves by delaying things if it is going to happen anyway. In fact, it just seems to make everything worse and more dangerous, which is the, which is the Joe Biden foreign policy. So, of course, that was the case. Now, speaking of war and U.S. troops, we have got a Medal of Honor recipient coming on this show in the member block. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. <laughs>